Welcome back to the Cold Brew Podcast. It is February 17th, and we are on lockout day... What is it? Day 78? Eight, I think. I thought I saw I 77 know. yesterday. It's a lot. It is, yeah, it is bad. Uh, the lockout continues. I'm Dave Gasper, joined, as always, by Matt Carroll. We are the editors at ReviewingTheBrew.com. And the lockout... Uh, continuing, and we have surpassed the date of pitchers and catchers reporting. It was supposed to happen this past week. Brewers, pitchers, and catchers were scheduled to report on Wednesday, and they did not, Matt, because the lockout is ongoing. Sadness is consuming my soul, and (laughs) I am drifting into a deep, dark depression where there might not be Brewers baseball on March 31st. Yeah, I, I wish we could pop music into this podcast because I would definitely have Everybody Hurts playing right now <laughs> while we both cry in a corner. This is normally the time that I get a delightful little birthday present from uh, the Brewers or from MLB, I should say, because pitchers and catchers report usually within a couple days of that. And it's, oh, it's just a, a nice little thing to look forward to for the spring. And then instead, we still have nothing. Nothing. And Matt doesn't have a birthday present. By the way, happy birthday, Matt. Oh, All right. Let's, let's, everyone, let's everyone wish a happy birthday. Everyone listen to the pod. The, what is it? The the big three nine this year? Oh, I'm, I'm old, man. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's it's I'm almost a 40 year old and we're just going to leave it at that. The end. Everything but you're hurts. 29 at heart. Yeah, sure. There we go. <laughs> Oh man. So yeah, happy birthday, man. Um and it's uh I wish we could we could give you baseball for uh for your birthday, but Rob Manfred uh and the players union and they are not letting it happen. Not not so easily this year. Nope. Nope. Um as it stands, it's uh Thursday the seventeenth and there was a session today where MLBPA released their newest proposal to MLB and it lasted 15 whopping minutes, mm. 15 minutes. You know, you know how many times Brent Suter could have thrown a pitch on the mound in 15 minutes? Uh, probably a hundred pitches. Yeah, exactly. Like you could, you could get a lot done in that amount of time and they got nothing done. I've had longer waits at the DMV. I've had longer <laughs> waits at the, like I've had longer waits at the dentist office. Yeah. Starbucks, you name it. Yeah. Uh, That's how short the session was. Yeah, it is. Uh, it is bad, but MLB put forth their proposal, and it really there was really only one thing that changed from before, and that was instead of having arbitration start at two years of service for all players, it's now starting it. They now want it to start at two years of service for eighty uh, percent of players above two years of service. Um, And the bonus pool for the pre-arbitration players who perform well jumps back up to $115 million from the previously proposed $100 million. Keep in mind, the league is offering only $15 million (laughs) for this player pool. So the players are going in the opposite direction with the player pool, but balancing it out, they they say, with uh, fewer guys going to arbitration – early and obviously this didn't really make it anywhere with uh, major league baseball and one report called it a non-starter 
which is kind of obvious at this point in the game because um, you're not there, there's really kind of no ground that, that they gave up there. You know, it's like, oh, yeah, we gave up, you know, the, the one thing, but you're, you're balancing it back out with asking for more money in the player pool. So you really went nowhere. You know, you, you took one step forward and one step back and, and you feel like you moved ground, but you really didn't. And it's just it's more wasted time because this was, what, five days um, from the previous proposal for Major League Baseball. They took all this time to think about their next offer, their next move, and they come out with this. Um, and now Major League Baseball is probably going to take another week to come back with their counter proposal. And it's just. It's tiring at this point, Matt. Like it, it's ridiculous to see such little progress from either side, such little willingness to negotiate and talk and, and move towards a common middle ground from both sides. Pitchers and catchers were supposed to report this week. We're supposed to have baseball. We're supposed to have our six weeks of spring training beginning, and it's not. We're officially going to have a shortened spring training, and we are coming close, dangerously close, to opening day being canceled yeah yeah and I, I just i don't i don't understand what they were trying to accomplish with that arbitration request um right now it's i believe i saw it's 22 percent of uh super twos uh get end up get, making this extra money uh they moved from 100 percent uh with the request to 80 percent like you said right but the pool they want to give those players jumping from 100 million to 115 million that's all MLB is going to care about. They, I can't imagine they could care less how many players they're going to spread that pool of money across. If it's more money being spread across, that's all MLB sees. We're giving up more mm-hmm. money in this proposal. So I just I don't get what they were trying to accomplish with a proposal like that. And we've been putting up with this for so long. Now is not the time to be like trying, like getting cute. And trying new proposals like like you said, like they need to start working towards the middle. And when it is like with this one, another five days since MLB's proposal. And, and like you said, like spending all that time, they said that they needed to take a couple days and uh, think about and gather each other and think about how they were going to counter. And they counter with like one tiny change that wasn't actually even moving towards the middle, like it it absolutely gets you frustrated with both sides now. Like both of us have been pretty vocally pro player during Mm -hmm. all of this and very frustrated with Manfred, the owners, MLB, whomever. But when both of these sides are taking so long in between proposals and making so little moves towards compromise, it, Fans now are just fed up with everyone, everyone involved. Like, yeah, just get there. Yeah. And, you know, it, even for the most ardent pro player people and and we're among them, like like we're we're on the player's side here. But like at some point, like you have to be willing to make legitimate proposals and, and be trying to to work towards something in the middle. But it seems to me that neither side really wants to make that first step. Like like both are pretty stuck into their positions. MLB doesn't really want to negotiate on much. They want to keep status quo on a lot of things. The players have a lot of changes they want to make and they're they're sticking their foot in the ground on that as well. They don't want to move and they want to they want to see these changes. 
And neither side wants to be the first one to take that step forward. You know, that, that because they feel if they do, they're giving up ground unnecessarily. You know, like they're the first ones to do it. They didn't need to give that ground. They're waiting for the other guy to step forward first and move towards that middle ground. Because by holding that first step, that middle ground might be slightly closer to where you were. And it's just, it's such a slow pace uh, between all this, as you mentioned. And um, I mean, you, you see, the, I saw a report today, I think it was from Chelsea Janes or, or John Heyman or, or someone that the league would like to have, you know, the the bargaining, the give and take negotiations, meeting for three, four hours and hashing some of this stuff out. But the players and, and Bruce Meyer and and uh, the uh, Tony Clark, the players union side wants to just exchange proposals back and forth, you know, that they don't want to go through and and just have these, you know, marathon bargaining sessions, hashing out issues. They'd rather just exchange the proposals back and forth and i i don't get that strategy you know that that strategy isn't really going to be helpful to producing a deal uh anytime soon it makes it so much more difficult to really kind of understand what the other side is thinking what you can get from them and and where you can go because if you're not talking to them you can't figure out what you can get from them you know like from those talks from going back and forth like especially an experienced negotiator like Bruce Meyer should be able to pick up based on what Manfred and Dan Halem and, and those guys are saying, what they're willing to give and what they're not willing to give and how you can exploit that. But they don't seem to be employing that strategy that they, they'd rather just kind of, you know, just kind of shoot proposals back and forth and not really talk much at all outside of it. Right. And the thing is too, like we know both sides stances we've known it for months now we mlb knows what mlb pa wants and vice versa like it so to be making these tiny little adjustments through these proposals does nothing exactly like you said if you can't actually discuss it back and forth and state your case and try and bargain a little bit then what is the point of any of this and it's hard to take uh Either side, like MLB says that, yes, we would rather be in these long bargaining sessions, but it's hard to, you know, take them very seriously when they go a week and a half between submitting proposals. It doesn't feel like they want to do anything when that happens. Mm -hmm. Um, But at the same time, like you said, like it doesn't feel like the Players Association wants to do anything either because they're basically fine living in the this could have been an email world of showing up for 15 minutes, slapping down a piece of paper, drinking a cup of coffee and leaving. Like what was the point of even getting into a room if that's all you're going to do? So we, we all know what we want to see. We want to hear, we, we want to log on to Twitter for the day and see that uh, MLB and the MLBPA met today for three, four hours. It was a heated discussion, but they are scheduled tomorrow to meet again and go over core economic issues or blah, 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 blah. That's what we want to see. We want to see updates every single day of things are happening. They might be happening slowly, but at least talking is happening. Like, yeah, and, and, and we just some have not gotten to that point. progression, some, some progression towards the middle, because, you know, as much as the players have reasonable 
demand. You know, like, like the things that the players are asking for are not unreasonable. You know, the the player pool, more play, like younger players uh, earning more money earlier in their careers when they're most productive. Uh, that's not unreasonable to ask. Um, asking for teams to not tank uh, as much and putting measures in place to make sure that they don't tank and that they remain competitive. That's not unreasonable. You know, they, they really want to raise the the luxury tax and Frankly, as a small market franchise, I'm not quite as in favor of that. But from the player's <laughs> side, I, I see their point, you know, yeah. and and because those big market teams are treating the luxury tax as a soft salary cap mm-hmm. and they don't want that. The The union is all about free markets and like that's <laughs> like, like that's something that they have been adamant about for a long time, not having a salary cap, allowing the free market to, ter- to determine salaries um, and, and let them be however big. And again, not unreasonable thing to ask. And I think at some point they're, they're going to have to realize MLB is not going to give them everything. You know, the, the, the players have been destroyed in at least the last two rounds of CBA negotiations. Mm-hmm. Like they have really not done well. Uh, they, they have lost them. And they're trying to gain everything back all in one go. And like once you give that up to Major League Baseball, once you give them those gains, taking them back is so difficult to do. Mm-hmm. And you're just you're not going to be able to get it all back right now. You're, you're not. And the Players Association, I don't know if they have already realized this or if they haven't, but they're, they're going to have to realize at some point you're not going to be able to get everything you want in this negotiation. There's some things that you really want that you're adamant about that you're not going to be able to get. And you're going to have to realize that and at least take some things that you can get that you do really want and just make some sort of progress. Right. Yeah. No, we all agree that the players are absolutely deserving of these things, Um, especially when you see that, you know, the the value of Major League Baseball teams has risen uh, at a higher rate than player salaries and whatnot despite of what you know these large amounts that they're already getting paid um that's just a fact so they do deserve a lot of these things um like you said negotiation is about compromise and you you're not going to get everything for your side you're not going to win everything so you need to prioritize you know what what is most important what is most important for not only players now but setting up players for the future and so and honestly leading into the next uh, collective bargaining agreement because we're going to be at this point again some point down the road and so what do you need to get locked in now and what can you maybe you know kick the can down the road as they say um to deal with later and yeah neither side is playing into that right now it's i want everything and i get that's how things start you throw every you throw your cards on the table right. and say you know this is our starting position these are the things we want both sides do that Eventually, you have to start picking things off, though, and yeah. we haven't gotten to that point. And that's what's frustrating to all of us right now is it just it seems like there's no progress and it seems like there's no sense of urgency. And I think that's yeah. that might be what frustrates fans most of all is we have a sense of urgency right now because like we talked about last week. Football's done. Super Bowl's done. Rams won everything. The halftime show is amazing. But Super Bowl's <laughs> now in the past. And this is the time we should be focusing on baseball. So our sense of urgency is heightened and it doesn't feel like theirs is. 
despite what they may say, um, technically MLB says the deadline to start the season on time is 11 days from today. So they've got 11 days to get these things done. And it does not feel like they're acting like it's that close. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And I, I was just about to, to, to talk about that report, the, the schedule there that really they have until the end of the month, uh, the end mm-hmm. of February to figure out a deal. Otherwise, opening day is done and they're going to have to push it back and change the schedule. And that's coming up quickly. But at the same time, that's also a lot of time. Um, because, you know, as we've said previously on this podcast, baseball is motivated by deadlines um, and, and these negotiations are going to be motivated by deadlines. So if the hard deadline for starting the season on time is the end of the month is 11 days from now, it's like you're 11 days from from the trade deadline in July. No one really makes too many moves 11 days prior mm-hmm. to the trade deadline. Uh, once you get to that day before and the day of that's when you see all the movement. That's when you see everyone trying to like, okay, let's just get this done. I don't, I didn't want to give up this prospect for the longest time, but you know what? I'm down to the wire. I need some help. I'll give up this prospect, you know, and, and you pick and choose which guys you're, you're willing to give up. And I think the same thing's going to end up happening here. I don't think either side, I, I hope neither side is going to be willing to lose games in the regular season. Over this, I mean, th- these are really things that they should be able to hash out before that, but we'll see. I mean, things are not looking great right now. I mean, they, they can always change, but eventually someone's got to take the step forward and be like, all right, we're making a legitimate move towards middle. Cause, cause like, as you talked about with uh, priorities and the, like, as one of them, the, the pre-arbitration bonus pool, I think we've also talked about this previously about, you know, setting up a, uh, like like working towards the middle. You're at 100 million. They're at 10. We work our way towards around 50 to 60 million dollars. Like set up a baseline there. Like like this is the first year of it. But like like the first time you're trying this arbitration bonus pool or pre-arbitration bonus pool. You can set yourself a nice baseline there, like 50 or 50 or 60 million or whatever. And then in future CBAs, that's your like that's your basement. That that's mm-hmm. your foundation. You build on it from there. Like, it's not going to get smaller over the years. It's only going to continue to grow. And you can work on trying to grow it to 100 plus million in future years. But, like, you're going to have to start off down at the basement. When when you pour the foundation, you got to start down there. Yep. This is two weeks in a row we've talked architecture, everyone. Yeah. (laughs) You can't build the second story of a house before you pour the basement, before you pour the foundation. Yep. Yeah, no. So if, if if there are any young carpenters out there who've been trying to learn, uh, you've been learning how to build a house from us for a couple yes, of weeks. Yes, and now. I am not an architect or a carpenter, <laughs> but even I know you can't build the second story of a house before you pour the foundation. Correct. Yeah. So um, we'll see. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, yes, you're right. Um, and I, I believe last week you also um, mentioned uh, just like. If you're a college kid with a term paper coming up, you'll procrastinate until the last second, and that's when you get all your work done. It feels like, yep. you know, the same thing is happening here, I guess. Um, it's it, it, Season's still happening for everything that's uh, happened so far, and, you know, for everything we feel, a season is still happening, and it is still a full season. So, as it stands right now, we're good, but time to get rolling. <laughs> 
It's yeah. been time to get rolling, but it's really time to get rolling. Next week is the next is the last full week that they can use because the 28th is a Monday. Um, that's mm-hmm. 11 days from now. So next week is the last full week calendar week for them to get this done. So next week, that's it. I mean, that's that is go time officially. We should see days in a row where they're trying to get this knocked out. Yeah, hopefully uh, we'll see. But um, yeah, baseball season is is coming and we'll see if MLB is going to be ready for it. College baseball is going to be that's starting up this mm-hmm. weekend. I don't know if you're going to be uh, watching any. I'm certainly going to be trying to watch some uh, some college baseball this weekend. Get the ESPN Plus going. Plenty of games on. It's going to be great. I might. I'll be with some family this weekend, but uh, maybe I can get to uh, convince them to throw some college b-ball up on. Yeah, absolutely. So hopefully we can get uh, we can get that going. But um, yeah, we're just uh, waiting to see if the Bruce can get going. But spring training is officially going to be shortened, and this could have some negative impacts on the Brewers. Um, you know, the spring training lasts as long as it does, uh, as as most of you know. Because of the pitchers, you know, pitchers need the six weeks to ramp up uh, to get ready for the season, to to ramp up as healthily as possible, as safely as possible. Um, You know, they they need this time to kind of work their way up. You don't just show up uh, pitchers and catchers report day and all right, I'm ready to go 100 pitches and, you know, go seven, eight innings in a game. No, it doesn't work like that. Um, at least not if you want your pitcher to have any semblance of a shoulder or elbow, uh, <laughs> five years into their career. Um, so they, they need this time to, to get themselves ramped up and healthy. And the foundation of the Brewers team is their pitching staff. It's Corbin Burns and Brandon Woodruff and Freddie Peralta. Um, it's the starting rotation and they need this time to ramp up and with a shortened spring training, and not being around their coaches and around the training staff uh, during this time, that could have some negative impacts. That, that could put them at higher risk for injury. Um, it, it could, uh, you know, really kind of derail the Brewer season if any of those guys uh, really go down. Um, and it, it puts them at an unnecessary higher risk of this. Now, granted, they could be, you know, working out and, and, you know, doing some of the ramp up stuff that they'd normally be doing at home anyways. I mean, a lot of those guys are already out in Arizona. Um, they're probably, you know, playing catch and doing their typical ramp up stuff had they been reporting to camp today or on Wednesday, but it's just, it's not the same. I feel like. Right. No, absolutely not. And uh, position players, you know, Whatever. Like we've seen for the last few years, you know, a lot of the veterans like Kane, Braun, even Yelich, you know, they only need so many games to, you know, get in the swing of things, get their defensive legs underneath them, um, see some pitches, then they're good to go for uh, opening day. But yeah, absolutely. These pitchers, especially the starters, they absolutely need that time uh, to work their way up. Um, I, I think we luck out a little bit in that you know, these Brewers pitchers are younger. And so they're, you know, maybe a little bit more resilient. They're not, you know, old, old veterans who need to knock quite a bit of rust off um, during spring. Yeah, Brett Anderson is not coming back to this uh, rotation. Right. Um, So at least they benefit there. But, you know, they are still um, starting pitchers who are still only a year removed from a full season removed, I should say, 
from that shortened 2020 season. So, you know, so much was made out of 2021 and how um, they had to very delicately uh, navigate what they were going to do with starting pitchers, building their innings counts up. You saw them um, get a lot of those pitchers get limited, especially one like Freddie Peralta, who, you know, that was his first like real um, foray into long term starting. Um, And that's only been that one year for him. So you would like him to have another sort of like semi-normal year of ramping up. Um, And that completely starts with spring training. Um, I guess the other benefit, if anything, that we have as Brewers fans is the fact that we have Craig Council at the helm. And Craig Council is perfectly well-versed at limiting innings for his starting pitchers in a smart way. And so you have to imagine that you know that he will be completely cognizant of what needs to be done with these guys and work their way up. But if we have a shortened spring training, it's hard to know what we'll expect in those first few weeks of the regular season. Like how many innings does, you know, Brandon Woodruff get to go in game one or Corbin Burns, whoever ends up actually getting to, you know, be the opening day guy this year. There's actually an argument to be made this year now. Um, or, or it's got to be Corbin, man. I mean, you it, you it, win the Cy Young, you earn yes. the opening day nod. I I agree, I agree. But uh, but I you know that's it. Woodruff's been good at it these last couple of yeah. years. So really, um, Craig Council way, can't go wrong in any direction he goes. No, no. And this is a total. I mean, well, let's be honest. A few weeks down the road, we're probably going to have this discussion again. Even if you put <laughs> Hauser in there, he'd still be fine. Right. Oh my God, you could go all the way down to almost Ashby and. Um, still be good. But that's, you know, bringing him up, um, you know, if Aaron Ashby is going to be pitching more innings, we don't know that yet is how much ramp up is he going to need? Uh, how about Eric Lauer? Like maybe he's number five in that rotation, but um, he hasn't really stuck there with us and pitched, you know, several starts in a season yet. Um, so what preparation does he need? Um, there's a lot of question marks that arise the shorter and shorter spring training becomes. Yeah, and uh, I think, as you mentioned there with Craig Council and, and how he's going to manage the staff, uh, it's going to be very cautiously. Uh, Craig Council knows that the, that the starting rotation is the foundation of this team, and he is going to handle them with kid gloves, especially early on in the season with, with a shortened spring training. I mean, you miss two weeks of spring training, uh, I think especially those first two weeks of the season, but probably that whole first month, uh, Craig Council is going to be handling that rotation with kid gloves. I mean, opening day, I if Corbin Burns pitches into the sixth, I'll be surprised. Yeah. You know, like, I, I don't see Council letting him go that unless he's at, like, you know, 60 pitches, like, like 56 mm-hmm. pitches, just absolutely dominating. I don't really see Council letting him go that deep. But I'd see, like, a max of, like, 75 pitches for um, opening day. You know, like he's just going to keep it super cautious. You know, they didn't have those extra two weeks to ramp up and it's just going to going to be OK. Let's take it easy. Let's not do too much. There's it's a long season ahead. We got eyes on October. We want to keep you fresh for then. We don't really care as much about April. Yeah, I, I guess the question becomes if if this lockout does end up extending and opening day does end up getting pushed. um what's the balance in how much they want to shorten spring training 
to maximize the amount of regular season games they still get. Like, do they shorten spring training to three weeks? Um, and then that way you save yourself a little bit of regular season games. Do they not want to risk shortening spring training at all? Like, I, that's one thing that I would be very interested to see what happens. Like, how do you balance those couple of things? Yeah, I, I think if they reach it to the point before they lose games, you know, I, I think they're going to want to lose as few games as possible. But I think I don't think the Players Association would agree to just three weeks of spring training. Because, right. again, half the players union is made up of pitchers mm-hmm. and all those pitchers are going to be like, whoa, no, no, we need we need at least four weeks of spring training. You know, I don't, I don't think they're going to be willing to try three. I think they did three in 2020 mm-hmm. uh, when they finally agreed to a deal to start the season. Actually, they didn't even agree. It was just kind of imposed uh, to start <laughs> yep. the season that that a uh, whole um, there, there was a complaint filed or like the arbitration or something filed by the players union. I don't even think that's been resolved yet. The um, grievance. Oh yeah. The grievance. Yeah, right. yeah, there it is. Yeah. I don't even think that's been resolved. So that's mm-hmm. still ongoing. These two <laughs> sides hate each other. Uh, it's a bad time, but mm-hmm. yeah. So I think they only had like three weeks in and a lot of guys got hurt and like all, like everyone mm-hmm. around the league is just like, we need more time than this. Like it's, it, I don't think they, I don't think they can do it. Um, so I, I think it's going to be, I think they've got it set. You need a minimum of four weeks mm-hmm. for spring training because like, that's why they have the deadline set for February 28th before they lose games, because that's going to be four weeks before your season begins. Right. Yeah. So then in that case, I mean, I guess you still get at least some period of time to ramp up your pitchers, but you don't have the you know, the couple week buffer of the, you know, pitchers and catchers reporting where they get to stretch out. Um, so you are still losing some of that time. So um, yeah. one way or another, you're right. Like it's you, you, you have to wonder then what that um, pitch count is going to be for those first, uh, you know, couple weeks that almost are taking place of the time you lost before spring training started. Is it a 70 pitch cap? Is it an 80? Is it a 60? Like maybe he gets ultra conservative, who knows? Um, But we do know, you know, again, like just to come back to it, we know that Craig Council will be smart about it. He's not going to put his guys at risk. He's definitely not going to put young guys who have a bright future ahead of them at risk of some terrible injury that ends up derailing their career. Um, So it'll get there. It's just unfortunately it may be in the form of uh, those shortened starter outings that Brewers fans have loved oh so much for the past several years. Yeah, and here's what I could see Craig Council doing for opening day. Corbin Burns, four innings. Mm-hmm. Aaron Ashby, mm-hmm. three innings. Devin Williams, Josh Hader to finish it out. Yeah. Oh, God, the yep. nastiness of that pitching. Yeah. Oh, uh, you uh, win uh, in a shutout on opening no, day. Even, oh, oh. Now you're getting me too excited for baseball. We don't even have it yet. But, I mean, like, that goes to last year, though. I mean, we knew um, Freddie Peralta kicked ass in spring training and won himself a spot in that rotation. And yet, uh-huh. who pitched out of the bullpen in game one? Freddie Peralta. Freddie. Because it, it ended up still being a smart way to kind of build him up. So, um, yeah, anything can happen in that opening day. But I could 100% envision that, for sure. Especially because we don't know what Aaron Ashby's role is going to be. But that that's a perfect... Uh, spot to fill him in yeah i could a hundred percent see craig council doing that you got mm-hmm. the right-handed nastiness of burns 
followed by the left-handed nastiness of Ashby, and then the righty airbender from Williams, followed by the lefty Josh Hader. (laughs) Oh, God, it's just... It's it's the Diamondbacks we play opening day, right? Oh, yeah, we're going to win it. Good luck. Good luck. (laughs) That's going to be a freaking 12-0 victory. (laughs) It should be. Hopefully. Um, yeah, and that's another reason why I don't want spring training or the regular season to get delayed because then you cancel the games against the Diamondbacks. Like, those should be easy wins. Like, come on. Yeah. Like, give Ooh. us those. It's the Diamondbacks. There's someone else super easy we play the at the beginning of the year. or uh, Orioles? Orioles, I think. I think it's yeah. Orioles because I had orange in my head for some reason. Yeah, like, there's some uh, some cake games at the beginning of that schedule. Those aren't the ones we want to lose. Yeah. Come on, take out the games against the freaking Dodgers or whatever. Manfred uh, anti-Brewers again. Ugh. He is the worst. Yep. Yes, the worst. But our hatred of Rob Manfred aside, um, another guy that we, uh, or another place we tend not like, the New York Mets. Uh, they <laughs> continually are after David Stearns. Um, they are the guy chasing... Uh, the girl who is already happily married, um, it's it's just kind of pathetic at, at this point. But at the same time, uh, there was a, a report this week from Andy Martino uh, out there in uh, New York, one of the Mets uh, beat writers, that he was digging into to find some details about David Stearns' contract. And apparently, uh, you know, further confirming the report that there is one year left for this year, plus a vesting option for 2023. And he apparently found out the details of the vesting option as to what would make that contract vest. And it's very interesting. If the Brewers win the NL pennant, so if they make the World Series, not not that they win the World Series, but that they make it, Stearns will become a free agent. His option uh, for 2023 goes away and he can choose his own destination. If the Brewers don't make the World Series, if they don't win the pennant, the option then vests for another year at 2023 and, and he stays in Milwaukee. And this is very interesting, Matt, because typically for a GM's contract or a player president of baseball operations contract, if the team does well, they're normally extended. They normally get that extra year. If they fail, the contract normally gets shortened. But it's the other way around for Stearns, and I find that very fascinating. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it kind of matches, you know, a little bit of what we've talked about in the past, about how if you're Stearns, you know, you put all this work into this team, um, and, you know, why would you want to go to a place like New York where um, you're having to rebuild and deal with, you know, some of that pressure and the shenanigans of the organization and whatnot. Like, if if we were him, we would want to see it through to the end. Even if you have a chance of going back to your hometown, um, why would you not want to, you know, finish what you started and reach that ultimate prize? And this just seems to be that conversation in literal contract form. Like, that's actually how they have it structured. And you're totally right. Like, if usually if a coach or front office person or something like that isn't um, getting the job done, you want to move on from them a little bit faster. Um, Mm -hmm. 
But this is just it's just not quite that situation. This is, you know, and baseball isn't quite that situation. You know, a, a lot of t- it takes a while to, you know, build up those resources, whether it's, you know, the minor league system, whether it's, you know, making trades um, over or signings over the course of several years and working your way up to relevancy, especially when you're a, you know, mid to low market baseball club. Um, and it's a process. Um, and and so for the Brewers and Stearns, they understand that and know that, you know what, if if you don't make it, we want to keep you around for just that little bit longer um, so that because we know it takes time. And so, you know, no World Series this year. Great. You're here for another year. And that is just one more year to maybe just make those final few pieces fall into place and get the ultimate job done. And so, yeah, like you said, fascinating way to build a contract. I've Nothing I've ever heard of before, and I haven't uh, heard of anyone else posting about it uh, since this news came out that there's been anything similar in the past. Yeah, it's really unusual for, for an executive. But, I mean, like Stearns knows the the Mets are interested. He's, mm-hmm. He doesn't really want to talk about it. He's I think he's uncomfortable talking about it, especially publicly. But, I mean, he's seen all the reports out there. Like, everyone knows the Mets want him, uh, that they're trying to get him. And, I mean, he grew up a Mets fan. I mean, he's obviously going to be intrigued by the job. Um, so that's something that, you know, he maybe wanted to put in there. It's like, okay, if I accomplish what I came here to accomplish, let me out. I can, you know, choose, you know, where I want to go. And I can go take that job. And I can feel like I did what I needed to do here. And and I can move on. I mean, that. This reminds me a lot about the movie Moneyball. You know, mm-hmm. like you've seen the movie. Billy mm-hmm. Bean, you know, trying to build a, a championship team, trying to win the World Series. He isn't quite able to do it. The Boston Red Sox come in and it's like, we will offer you whatever money it takes. Like, we will make you the highest paid GM in baseball history to come here and and run our team. And Billy Bean turned him down because... I didn't accomplish what I wanted to here yet. And that's what it it seems like this contract is kind of like for Stearns. It's like, if I haven't accomplished what I wanted to yet, I'm not going to leave. Now, if the Brewers don't make the World Series in either year in in 2022 or 23, then what? You know, will he sign another Mm -hmm. extension to stay? Will he then just kind of look elsewhere and be like, I couldn't do it. I'm just going to move on. Uh, Let Matt Arnold take over. I don't know. Hopefully the Brewers make the World Series within the next few <laughs> years. Hopefully they win it uh, one of these times. That would be nice. But it's it's very interesting, and, and I think it, I think Stearns deserves a lot of credit for wanting to finish what he started here, and, and not just jump and ship at, at the first opportunity he got to to go take the the Mets job. It, it's it's about finishing the job. In Milwaukee, and he, he should be commended for that. Absolutely, I I wish they talked about these sorts of things more because I would love to know whose idea it was to put that clause in the contract. Like whether it was Stearns being like, "Hey, listen, I got an idea. You can have me for an extra year if I don't make it," or if it was like Adonazio who pitched it and was like, "Let me." Let me try something here. Let me let me see what you think, because, you know, both sides have to agree to this contract. I would just I would love to know who the like brainchild behind this was, you know? 
My guess is Stearns, because I doubt that Mark Adnazio would propose, hey, here's a chance for you to leave earlier. Right. You know, like, like Adnazio loves Stearns. And, and as mm-hmm. long as Stearns wants to stay, Adnazio will have him. You mm-hmm. know, he like that's like his job is pretty secure here. As long as he wants it, it's his. And, you know, I, I think for him, it's like, look, I'm hearing all the noise. I know what I know that they want me over there. Um but I like I want to finish what we started here, and this this extension was agreed to. I think like what three years ago, mm-hmm. like this was like when their interest was like first really kicking up, and the Brewers were just kind of really starting getting good, um, in like 2018. Mm-hmm. Like they came close, but they didn't quite get there. So then he agrees to the deal. It's like, look, let's finish the job. And for all we know, it could have been if I make it in any of these years, it's done by 2022. You know. Or, like, if, if we make it, if we win it, let me interview with them. I mean, that, that could have just been a handshake agreement, but I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of different things there. I mean, the Brewers are not going to discuss that. Um, right. Like, right. Like, they've tried to keep that whole thing as tight-lipped a secret as they possibly can. And maybe, like, 10 years down the road, you know, you get to an interview with Stearns, like, hey, by the way, that contract clause, whose idea was that? You know, your, yours or theirs? Um, then maybe he'll tell you about it, but not while he's still currently in, in that situation. Right. No, absolutely. It's kind of amazing that um, of all people, you know, Andy Martino, who um, <laughs> sometimes you take with a grain of salt, but McAlvey confirmed that these sources were legit, um, that he of all people was able to pull these details out when no one's ever able to figure out these types of things. And if it was in fact Stearns who you know, was able to get this into the contract. Doesn't that make it even more fascinating that who is essentially able to write his own clause into his own contract? Like he's good, man. Yeah. Yeah. uh, Hey, we all know that, right? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So, I mean, like, like with, with how much success the Brewers have had and like going into these extension talks with, with Stearns and uh, promotions and whatnot, I mean, he's he's got so much uh, autonomy and, and power in in Milwaukee. Like he he runs the show. Mm-hmm. Like Atanasio is just like, look, whatever financial assistance you need, let me know. Um, but like, it's your show here. So it's I really hope he stays. You know, especially especially if they make the World Series but fall short, like they don't actually win it. Um, I hope he still would decide to come back um, to to really kind of see it through and, and to get us that World Series title. But that's, I mean, that, that's something that we'll figure out when we get there. You know, first of right. all, you have to get to the World Series before we can do that. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely the most interesting scenario, right? Like, if we don't make it, we know, already know what happens for 2023. If we make it and win it, well, you know, like as much as we would love to have him back, we got a World Series out of it, and hey, we get to have our parade, and everyone's yeah. happy. Like, like um, at, at that, that point, yeah. At, yeah, at that, that point, I'll, I'll understand. Oh, go ahead. No, that's fine. I was all I was going to say is like, yeah, it's just that that situation where it, if we if we were to make it but not win it, what does he do? Is mm-hmm. you know, especially if they're you know essentially 
um, holding that Mets job. I know it's not open, open, but um, if he at any point, the, the if he president wants, job is open. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, right. So he's got a job there when he wants it. Yeah. So would he take it at that point? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's that's something we'll have to see. But I mean, if they make it and, and they win it and, and they win a title, um, at that point, he's really kind of earned the right to be like, look, I'll go where I, I want to. Um, you know, I, I've succeeded here. I'm on to a new challenge. Um, and you guys are in good hands with Matt Arnold. So, you know, we'll see. Um, but again, we have to get there first. So let's, let's not put the cart before the horse. Um, and... Hopefully this lockout can end soon so we don't have to talk about Stearns' contract and we could talk about free agents and <laughs> trades and, you know, all that fun stuff. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't look like it's ending too soon. But this podcast is. Uh, that'll do it for us this week uh, on the Cold Brew Podcast. Um, so be sure to stay tuned for future episodes coming out soon of the Cold Brew Pod. Uh, and stay tuned to reviewingthebrew.com and check out Matt's uh, 15 greatest pitchers in Brewers franchise history article. Uh, he really worked hard on it and he wants a lot of people to see it. If you don't, he'll be very sad and <laughs> you just please don't make Matt sad. It was his birthday this last week. Yep. Don't make me sad like MLB. Um, even if you think the list is completely wrong. Hey, just see who's on it and see where they are. Yeah, where do Corbin Burns and Brandon Woodruff fall? Ooh, Ooh yeah. that is that is interesting. They're they're talented, but short careers. Where do they go? Does yeah. CC Sabathia make the list, even though he was only here for half a season? Yeah, no. And and most importantly, who's number one? Who's the best pitcher? Who is number one pitcher in franchise history? Go to reviewingthebrew.com to find out. Read Matt's Beautiful. article. All right. That'll do it for us this week. Uh, Be sure to stay tuned. More stuff coming. Hopefully baseball coming soon uh, from Major League Baseball. That'll do it. We'll see you next time for another episode of the Cold Brew Podcast.